Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 130, how to deal with difficult people. We've all had to deal with that person, the one who irritates us or seems to be angry all the time or doesn't fall through on their part of the group project. But how we deal with them can make a real difference to our stress levels. In this short series, Adam and I will talk about how to deal with difficult people. Difficult can mean a lot of different things. From the person who's annoyingly loud in a shared space, to the bully, to the perfectionist, to the control freak. Maybe they're being aggressive or creative or submissive. Their behaviors are not appropriate for the situation and it makes everyone else really stressed. Education World identifies three kinds of complainers, but only one kind is really a difficult person. The malcontent complainer, who just cannot see a solution to anything and who complains about everything. Now, difficult people are challenging to interact with, but there are many ways to make the interaction less stressful and more successful. Denor and I have found several good resources on this topic and we'll share them in the show notes of every episode. There's a lot of really good advice and observations in these resources, and we've divided them up into four main categories. Actions you can take, responses you can make, internal shifts you can work on, and other stuff that doesn't really fit in any of those categories. So in this episode, we're going to talk about actions you can take when dealing with difficult people. And in this sense, an action is when you initiate. You don't wait for the difficult person to do something before you act. That's a response. We'll cover that in episode 131. Instead, you make a decision that when you encounter the difficult person, you'll take the first action. Basically, you've planned what you're going to do. So there are lots of actions you can take when you have to interact with a difficult person. For example, limiting the time you spend with them. This can take the form of setting up a meeting, which will be time limited, or creating another commitment you have to get to when the impromptu encounter gets too difficult to put up with. For example, saying, I gotta run, I have a three o'clock meeting, but let's circle back on this in an email. It can often free you from having to stand there while the difficult person whines, argues, or complains at you. You can meet with them privately. When possible, set the terms under which you'll meet with them. If you know they'd like to make a public scene, don't meet with them in a public place. Meet only in private, ideally in a space you have some control over. This can include a phone call or a Zoom call because you can always hang up or leave if you need to. Predict what they'll do and plan around them. Unless it's the first time you've ever had to deal with them, you've probably already seen them in action. You know what they do. If they're a bully, for example, work on not reacting to any buttons that they try to press. If they're a complainer, make a point of only acknowledging complaints that are valid, which can be worked on or solved. Take the wind out of their sails so they have to deal with the real problems, not the ones that they're creating by the way they're behaving. Also, establish boundaries. Limiting time and meeting privately are actually really two important boundaries to set, and you need to set them early. But what is a boundary? 
Well, a boundary is essentially a statement of what you will or will not do in a given situation. Now note, it's about your actions, not their actions. For example, if you continue to shout, I will hang up and we'll have to have this meeting later. That's a boundary. It's not saying you're not allowed to shout, but it's saying if you do shout, this is what I'm going to do. Or if you need to vent, I can give you five minutes, but then I have another meeting. So this might handle, you know, the complainer who just wants to complain and complain and complain. Okay, let him let him vent for five minutes and then say, okay, I've got another meeting. I have to go. You've just set a boundary. This is what I can do and what I cannot do, dependent on what you do or not do. Set consequences for bad behavior. This is similar to setting boundaries. State the consequences if they cross a line, and if they cross it again, take the action that imposes those consequences. Again, for example, if you shout at me again, I'm ending this call. If you're leading a project group, for example, set rules for what's okay and what isn't okay. Are you okay with someone being on their phone while you're working on the project? Or does your group want everyone's phones put away so they can all focus on the project at the same time? Are you okay with chit chat? Or do you want everything to stay all business? In the same way, you can set consequences for bad behavior in a one-on-one -on -one situation by spelling it out early. I don't talk with people who yell at me. Or I won't work with someone who thinks it's okay to put other people down. Set rules and spell out consequences for breaking them and then enforce them. Now, another thing is attack the issue, not the person. It's very tempting to say, oh, you're such a jerk or such a control freak. You're such a busybody. You're such a gossip. But that doesn't actually help fix anything. Instead, attack the issue, what they did or what they said, not who they are. Don't say you are a thing. And this goes back to the growth mindset. You want to correct the behavior not the individual. So you might say, okay, the group only has about an hour to work on this project today, and when someone shows up late, it makes it harder for us to get the work done. Is there some way to make sure you'll be on time for the next meeting? That works a lot better than, you're always late, and we're sick of you not doing your part of the work. That may be true, but it won't solve the problem. Switching the focus to what was done and what can be done, instead of who did or didn't do whatever they did or didn't do, can really help a lot to get people to correct their behaviors. Once you've set some boundaries and limited how much you're going to interact, there are some additional actions you can take depending on what's needed. Identify the problem and make solving it a collaborative action. Once you have the difficult person focused on the problem, okay, Ned, I hear you're frustrated about how we're splitting up the work in the group project. Let's focus on, on finding out how we can address this. You can start clarifying expectations. What do they want out of this problem-solving session? What do you want out of it? Where do your wants overlap? You can also reframe the problem so it's not personal. I know you'd rather be the only speaker, but the assignment directions say we have to have at least two people speaking. Find out what they've done to try to resolve the problem too. And always, always find ways to let them save face. It's difficult to admit when you're wrong or when you want something that isn't reasonable. Saying, I know this sucks, can go a really long way to gain the difficult person to relax and admit they're just having a rough time with the realities of the situation. When you're working on the problem, also make sure you work on one issue at a time. Focus on the present, not the past, not the future. And do your best to keep the focus on what you both want, not what you don't want.
And finally, making requests instead of giving ultimatums can really help a lot in solving problems, and you might actually want to set that as a boundary early on. We're going to work on this together, and that means we're going to make requests of each other, but we won't be asking for things that we know we can't have, and no ultimatums. Okay? This is the only ultimatum we get is no ultimatums. Another thing you can do with a difficult person is put them to good use by harnessing their strengths. If they're a good organizer, give them the part of the project where things need to be organized and kept that way. If they're a good speaker, give them the lead role on presenting your topic. Let them play to their strengths because then they'll feel like they are needed and accepted and their difficultness may get less difficult or you know, at least they won't feel like they're just standing on the sidelines or not being heard. Interrupt and redirect. If you know they have a tendency to talk over everyone, make sure you call attention to it early. Harry, I know you're a leader and we wanna make sure everyone has a chance to give their feedback and thoughts, okay? Could you keep the speakers list for us so we make sure everyone gets that chance? Or Jane, I know you're upset about this and it's Michael's turn to explain what happened with the data analysis. Let's give him a chance to speak first and then you can respond. I also want to bring attention to the way that that was phrased both times. It's not, Harry, I know you're a leader, but. It's not, Jane, I know you're upset about this, but. It's, Harry, I know you're a leader, and. Jane, I know you're upset about this, and. We've acknowledged how they feel. We've acknowledged their position. And instead of saying, but, which negates that, it's, let's go forward with this other thing we need to do. Okay, we've acknowledged you, and now having acknowledged you, let's move on to do this other thing. The next thing is, change the topic to something positive and this is especially important if they're a complainer yes mike i see that this is a real problem for you so let's all come back tomorrow with three different ways to address this issue we'll discuss them so we can solve it and in the meantime what's our progress on the research and the presentation materials looking like give me some good news derailing the complaining can help reduce friction in a group or even if it's just you and the difficult person when you're alone and it's usually worth redirecting to a more positive frame of mind when you can be honest about what you're seeing and experiencing when interacting with them. John, I don't deal well with people who shout. I know you don't realize you're shouting most of the time, but it makes it harder for me to have a conversation with you when you do. I want to make sure this doesn't make it difficult to work together. Would you be willing to try to notch out? This allows them to know what the difficulty is, which they may not know. Many difficult people have no idea that other people experience them as difficult. Telling them this thing you do is problematic because may be the heads up they need. Improve your communication with them. Yes, stay friendly, be optimistic about success, remember the difficult person's good attributes, and yeah, everyone has them. And say what you need to say in ways that will be easier for them to hear. Again, we want to let them save face. What I hear you saying is you have trouble noticing when you're raising your voice. Would you like me to give you a heads up or a hand signal if you're getting too loud? Also, be realistic about how much you can accomplish in one interaction. Getting them to stop shouting, especially if it's habitual for them, it's probably going to take more than one meeting to resolve. Another thing to do is model the behavior that you want to see. If you don't want them to shout, you can't shout either. If you want them to be on time to a meeting, it's not good if you're sauntering in late. Make sure you're not doing or avoiding behaviors that would make them feel your requests are basically hypocritical. Acknowledge their progress. It's a good idea to say, Hey, Dave, I really appreciated you working on not raising your voice much while we were talking about how to split up the work so we can do this project. It helps me stay focused on what we want to get done, and I know you're not used to keeping an eye on how loud you might get. 
Thanks for making that effort. When you do this, it gives people a reason to keep doing it as long as you don't go overboard. Use this pattern. I appreciated you doing the things that make them less difficult. It helps me do whatever you needed to do that would have been more difficult otherwise. Thank you. And you can reward yourself for achievements. After you've been dealing with a difficult person, it's normal to be drained. Promise yourself, ideally before you start the interaction, that you'll get a reward for keeping your cool or finishing the problem solving process with them. This reward could be something like a latte or an hour with your favorite TV show or book. You deserve to feel like the effort you put in matters as well. Now, when it comes to Denor's and my experiences with it, I had a difficult student who literally did not realize he was difficult. He was about six foot six, and his normal speaking volume was set to loud. And so he often scared the other students when he would realize he'd made a mistake because his normal go-to when that happened was to shout at himself, to beat himself up verbally and loudly. So after a few outbursts and several complaints from his classmates, I had to take him aside and I said, look, John, you're a good student, but I really need you to watch your vocal volume and stop frightening the other students. And he was flabbergasted. It had never occurred to him that it was scaring other people. And he honestly was not aware of just how loud and intimidating he was in general, never mind when he would berate himself. So I gave him permission to step outside the classroom to vent if he needed to, but I made it clear that shouting in class was no longer permitted, and that if he did it again, I would have to ask him to leave for the rest of the class meeting. He controlled his outbursts far more successfully once he knew it was a problem, and he stopped being as difficult as he had been. I think I even wrote him a letter of recommendation. I had a difficult student who was more of a needler than a yeller. The student was older than me, and I forget if he had worked in a police department or if he was in criminal justice and trying to become a police officer, but he was enrolled in either my criminology or deviant behavior or sociology of law class. It was something where if you're interested in the legal field, it's a good class to take. And in this class, we were talking about patterns in murders and homicides. And this student repeatedly asked me where I got my data from. Now, that's a totally legitimate concern because I hadn't placed it on the slide. But obviously, I know the sources I'm using. And I said, I can look this up for you if you give me a chance. But the next class, after I checked, I approached the student privately. And I said, did you ask me about where the data about homicides came from? And to my face, they denied ever asking. Despite, well, they had asked that in front of a room full of students. And this happened once or twice else during the semester. After that, at some point, I told them in class that, look, I keep looking stuff up based on your questions. You clearly have an idea of something you've seen. Why not present on it? You found something that the professor hasn't. That means you get a chance to teach the professor and you get to teach your classmates because you've got something, you've got some inside info that the rest of us don't. You can be an expert to others. The student never took me up on this offer. They did stop needling me nearly as frequently that they had. So that's what we have for you in episode 130. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android, roasted on Blueberry.com, and we'd really appreciate it if you could write us a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to join us next week for episode 131, when we'll talk about responses you can make to difficult people. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learningmadeeasier. And we look forward to seeing you next week.